Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to the 20 and 20 co-working edition. Um, this is where we ask 20 questions in 20-ish minutes, and the intention is to leave people feeling informed, inspired, and uplifted. I'm your host, Lisa Skyhane. Uh, in this particular 20 and 20 edition and during the month of June, I'm connecting with industry experts, operators, vendors, and of course, most importantly, we're connecting with a number of members. Our business would be nothing, of course, without our clients. And we're, we're talking a little bit about the new norm and how together we're going to weather this storm. I mean, this is a, a global pandemic. Who could have predicted that this was going to happen? So um, co-working has been around for over a decade as a coined term. Executive office suites and shared workspaces have been around for 30, 40 plus years. Um, our industry, like many, has really been hit hard, of course, as a result of for this sure. pandemic. Um, co-working, I believe, certainly will, of course, thrive and, and, and survive, therefore, because companies large and small are going to want space. Um, someone who, of course, can speak to this point is our general manager from primary in the financial district of Manhattan in New York City, the capital of the world, some say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tim Simpson, welcome, and thank you for thank being you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It is truly a privilege to be here with everyone today. Thank you. So let me give you a little bit of background here on Tim. So Tim, by the way, uh, first thing I'm going to say is that in my initial interview, you knew this was going to be mentioned. Brian Hain, my husband, who is the co-founder of Primary, had interviewed yeah. Tim first, and he said, you got to interview this guy. And about 10 minutes into the interview, I call, I say, Tim, um, pardon me for just a moment. And I, uh, I get on my phone, I call Brian, I say, Brian, you told me that I would like Tim. You did not tell me that every word coming out of his mouth would delight my soul. That is a true story. That is a true story. I told myself, I said, this is not a real interview. Like, this cannot be happening now. It, it, it's just, I mean but true to spirit of who you are. Because Brian was very, he kept to the script. You know, he was very, you know, by asking his questions, taking his answers. And I was like, okay. And they said, I'd like you to meet the CEO, Lisa. And I said, oh, that's excellent. Of course, I'll take a second interview. And um, almost two years later, here we are. Here we are. I mean, but, but you and I are birds of a feather. You know, we'll talk about hospitality here in a bit, which, you know, the hospitality industry, like all industries, it's unique. So um, you are an expert in the hospitality industry because you, you, first of all, you grew up in Trinidad. You came to the United States when you were 18. You went right. to Monroe College up in New, New Rochelle. And you actually studied hospitality management and then went on to manage at several boutique hotels, approximately 100 keys each, one in Greenwich, Connecticut, called the Delmar Greenwich Harbor, um, and then at a hotel called Hotel Zero Degrees, where you opened locations in both Stamford and Norwalk, Connecticut. And then you moved on, and I know this is part of your story here, um, you, you moved to New York City because in coming to the U.S., you always wanted to work in New York City, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, I was that kid who would the sit Harvard in, Club was your opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I would see myself like walking on the streets of New York, walking in Midtown. Literally, I'd envision that. Um, and it didn't happen right away, which is the wonderful thing about dreams, right? It wasn't necessarily a straight path, but, you know, everything along that journey brings us to that point. And um, that point came in the form of Harvard Club, a truly tremendous, um, you know, institutional organization. Of course, it's affiliated with Harvard University. It's a club exclusive for Harvard alumni. And there's just such detail to every single thing they do because they're catering it to, you know, the guests, which is their members who are in mind. Um, so that was truly a wonderful experience. Yeah, well, so you were a front office manager there for a year, and Correct. then you came to join us two years ago at Primary as our general I manager. Certainly did. So yes. you have over a decade now of hospitality experience. You've learned Correct. learned a few things, as they yes. say. So, so let's jump into my interview here with you. Of course. You know, right now it's an extraordinary time. On top of a global pandemic, there's a revolution. You know, a fight against racism, 
there's a cry for criminal justice reform that's happening now that's louder than we've ever heard it before because of social media and the access to information that we all have. You grew up in Trinidad and you and I have had a conversation, of course, about this. You know, can you talk a little bit about whether or not you experienced any racism in Trinidad and, and what was it like there versus now coming to the United States? Definitely, you know, um, I think in Trinidad, I really personally have not experienced racism to the fact that it is in America. Trinidad is a cosmopolitan island. Uh, so we have high heritage from Indian, Chinese, um, Caucasian, European, Syrian. It really is a melting pot. Uh, while we may not have the level of racism that we see so flagrant and injustice that we see so flagrant in the US, it doesn't mean to say we're totally absconded from that. I don't think there's any country that is, can certainly wave their flag and say, hey, we're free of racism, we're free of any classism, we're free of any sexism. I think every society based on the historical past, is dealing with some element of that. Uh, whether it be as overt as someone putting their knee on a black man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds till he literally breathes his last breath. Truthfully, in my 18 years in Trinidad and probably the history before, I have never seen something to that effect. And we've had, of course, tumultuous times, um, but that being on camera, uh, it, it's a first for me. So yeah, I haven't really experienced that level of you know, racism in Trinidad. Not to say we, we don't have things to work on, but to just see it so systematic and people are sort of, you know, okay, there's, a, there's sort of a bravado that this is who I am, this is what I do. And I'm so convicted in my belief of hate and bias and prejudice and standing so firm in that, um, and not sort of looking to see how the other person is feeling. That to me is always a, a bit of a, it's, it's strange. It's strange and it, it's uncomfortable, but it's a good time to be in where we have these hard conversations and we're pulling together, hopefully for some really meaningful and long lasting change. 100%. But so as, as a black man here in the United States, you've been here for over a decade. Correct. You know, we, we talked previously, even prior to today, you shared that some of your friends back in Trinidad said, don't forget to dress preppy. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and so can you share a little bit more about that conversation so we can continue to illuminate for white yeah. people what it's really like for black people in this country? Absolutely. You know, um, and one of my friends, he actually went to college with me and he's back in Trinidad. He called out of concern. You know, he said it in a laughing way, you know. Um, don't forget to, to dress preppy. And I said, you know what? But that's the point. It shouldn't be how I dress. It shouldn't be if my name is Timothy or something that comes with a different spelling or different pronunciation. We should be looking past that. Whether I have on, you know, a Brooks Brothers blazer or whether I choose to wear, you know, streetwear, oversized, you know, pants tagging, hair twisted up. We should be looking past that and really evaluating people because they're human beings. Where's the love, you know? Where's the consideration of the just the simple humanity, the kindness, you know, yeah. that we see often lacking in today's society. Uh, there is no empathy. And we have to ask ourselves, you know, how are we operating at such a level where we only see one thing and we have no care for anything else? You know, it's a yeah. question we all have to ask ourselves because yes, now the, the, the topic is, you know, injustice, discrimination against black people. But all of us have a bias of some sort that we have to look inside and say, hey, am I checking myself, whether I be black or white or Indian or wherever, do I have bias against another religion, against another race? It's a tough question nationally, absolutely. But I think personally on an individual level, it's also important I'd be looking within and say, hey, how can I make it better? How am I helping to contribute? I may not be, I may not be actively contributing to against racism against black people, but do I have a bias towards somebody who is Indian or Persian or Middle Eastern for some reason, you know? Am I checking that bias? Am I checking that prejudice to be able to be present in love and kindness um, and just a simple empathy for people I see every day? And I think that's, that's so critical and important. 
Yeah, so well said. I agree with Belkis here who said so well said. Um, so how do you think the business owners can be can best be part of the solution right now? Great question, you know, because everyone's looking for a solution, right? We have, you know, we have protests, you know, we have it. People say it's too extreme. It's not enough. What do we do next? And, and I mean, you know, I've talked, you know, Oprah had a great series as where do we go from here? Because where do we go from here? There's so many different, you know, solutions and ways to attack this problem. And it is multifaceted. I think for business owners, it truly is allowing the opportunity or giving people an opportunity. I, as a black man um, out of college, I worked for a company that was, you know, owned by wealthy white men. Mm -hmm. And they gave me an opportunity, which mm -hmm. I'm so grateful for, opening yeah. at the Del Mar. And then I wrote for another very influential, very smart, very intelligent, uh, you know, businessman in Connecticut, you know, who was his first party into hotels. And he gave me an opportunity at 21 to open hotels. Yep. Not just because, you know, he didn't see, oh, it was a black guy, let me do diversity. He said, you know what, I see something, whether it be drive, whether it be talent, whether it be skill, whether it be resilience. He's like, and I wanted to give that an opportunity. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, for the Harvard Club, you know, it's the Harvard Club. And people can say, oh, I mean, let's be, let's be, we're putting everything on the table right now, okay? Let's the do Harvard it. Club, ha some hashtag real talk. Hashtag, hashtag real talk, right? <laughs> yes. It's the Harvard Club, but. Of course, there is, you know, notions and, you know, preconceived notions about the Harbor Club. And they gave me an opportunity. And then primary, you know, it's great because this business is lady-led. You know, you're a lady-led CEO. And yes. that in itself is so minute in the cosmos of businesses and entrepreneurs. And you gave me an opportunity. So imagine if, just like you did, just like the Harbor Club did, just like Hotel Street Degrees, we started giving opportunities not based on the color of anyone's skin or where they're from or what their educational pedigree is, but because of true talent, because of grit. And let's be honest, sometimes it works out for the good and sometimes it doesn't. And that's okay, right? That's, that's business. They, that's business. That is <laughs> yeah. business, you know. But you are saying, I'm going to give someone the opportunity because I see that. I'm not, I'm not voting them out because of the color of their skin or how they may speak. Or They are best suited for the job. And because they're best suited, regardless of, call or anything else, I'm going to give them this opportunity. Because we have to always remember that someone gave us an opportunity. You know, I love your story. You say you came from Florida at 18 with your pastels and your flip-flop heels, you know. Platform flip-flops. Platform flip-flops. And someone <laughs> gave an opportunity, right? And that's just, it, it's, what, it, it's what makes the world go around. And yeah. it really is, that's the beginning of diversion, diversity and inclusion. It's that opportunity. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I mean, I, but but it, it first starts with awareness, Tim, you know, I mean, you and I, obviously, we work together. And, and you know, that as of recently, and I've mentioned this in maybe one or two of my interviews in the last week or so that we were creating that sign about hand sanitizing. And um, did you did you happen to see the funny uh, response, though, that my very dark skinned black friend, uh, Benjamin Diet said, I said, Benjamin, we're making the sign and someone sent me a draft with the white white hands. And he goes, well, how come that doesn't just tell you that white people don't know how to wash their hands? <laughs> and I said, oh, Benjamin, he's very funny. But the point is, is that, yeah. you know, look, I, I think it's human nature that we are attracted to what is like us. You yeah. know, we make we yes. make jo we make jokes that our dog we start to look like our dogs. You know, like Very our true. animals, our haircuts yeah. are the same, and what have you. I mean, we likes attract likes is pretty pretty common. But I think now, you know, as, as a white person, I'm going through though my my feeds and my posts and my surroundings, and I'm saying though, where has my whiteness dominated my world though to the extent that I haven't 
I haven't been aware of where I haven't, I, I haven't been including, there isn't diversity in my life, in my world. And yeah. therefore, therefore, inadvertently, subconsciously, I'm contributing to the problem, you know, and I mean, yeah. that's where I get goosebumps. And, and I feel, by the way, excited, though, of course, on some level, Tim, to be part of the solution, you know, me, I'm of a course. very solution, like, let's of do course. this, everyone, you know, and, and so I know I can express my enthusiasm And like you said, you. you know, you have to come up that what am I, what am I, what could I be doing more to include people? That's yes. the question. Because it's easy if you have a company and you have, you know, 30, 40 white people and they come in, that's fine. They may be all qualified. But you as a CEO, you as a hiring manager has to say, but what am I doing to include more, to include more cultures, to include more backgrounds, to include more diversity of opinions? Because ultimately it just leads to greater success. You know what yes. I'm saying? We come from different perspectives. We can work together. We can deal with things professionally. We can have disagreements and come together for the greater good. That is what true success means, I think, in 2020 and beyond. That's, yeah. that's, that will be the key to it. A hundred percent. I mean, we could, we could talk about it for a long time sure. too, you know, I mean, because it, because it requires though a shift in thinking and, and there's no question that alpha leaders, successful leaders, part of how they get to where they are is by being very set in an, their empowering belief that they know best. Yes. <laughs> they know, right. Yeah. Everyone should invest in them. And those are the beliefs that have served them to get them to where they are. But, but it, again, it doesn't, uh, it's not causing the matter of, of systemic changes that we that we need in this country. So um, what inspired you in the first place to ever work in the hospitality business? A funny story. I actually wanted to major in international business. And mm -hmm. in my last year in high school, uh, the recruiter from Monroe College came in. I, mean, just I, saw, I, saw, you, I saw you and Shamika with your champagne in first class, by the way. <laughs> I, mean, I know, come along. I know we, about your we, champagne we, we've, we've had some, we've been able to really experience some beautiful things, you know, and I thought, you know what, I've, you know, I've been traveling to New York for the summer since I was maybe nine or 10 years old, and I said, I love planes, and stayed in a couple of hotels, a few, it may have been just a Hilton Garden Inn, and I love that free breakfast and that waffle in that machine, I said, you know what, I can really see myself working in hotels, and, you know, the scholarship was great, you know, the scholarship dollars really helped, you know, push my decision over, you know, the end, and I said, great scholarship uh you're gonna have yourself a great student for the next you know three four years and that solidified my decision it was really an amazing experience i met my wife you know i met some really amazing friends there and i mean it, it's just fantastic so yeah i truly love the hospitality industry you, you know an interesting sort of bonus comment i actually when i first came to new york you know i'd only done community college i took a year off after high school and i actually was originally at nyu in the hotel tourism management program but yeah. after a semester i said to myself you know i think i can learn more in hospitality on the ground in the business than from the books so i love that you have the degree I'm sure that you can speak loudly to that point that you really learn the most, though, immersed in the industry. Absolutely. And, you know, that's a really good point, Lisa, because I think initially, you know, in hotel school, they tell you, you know, work for the Hiltons, work for the highest, these big corporations. You have to put in the groundwork. You have to work the overnight shift. You know, you have to take a lot of crap from guests. Um, and a part of that is really true. And, you know, you see some really wonderful general managers, directors, stays in hotels who really have put in the work and have been at hotels for years, have been at corporations for years, and they really have worked through, you know, the gamut of the front desk, whether it be catering, whether it be sales and marketing, and you have amassed such wonderful weapon experience because I think in hospitality, it's not like an engineering degree. Um, it's not like a doctorate. You really have to be on the field. You know, we talk about, you know, getting our feet wet. You know, you really have to be in there because that's how you build character. That's how you build resilience. Um, now more than ever, this industry can be quite stressful and to be able to keep a smile on your face and say, hi, welcome to the, how may I help you? Absolutely. Right this way. And you know, deep down inside, you're having a terrible day. You know, you had a fight with your spouse, something didn't go right. 
and you actually say, welcome, how can I help you? Absolutely. What, you like an extra towel? Not a problem. I'll be sure to bring that right up to you. What, something was too cold? I, and, and that's that's just, and it's so funny because as hostile professionals, when we sit and talk about these stories, it just comes to us so naturally, right? And we tend to laugh at each other because we see it. We just see that light and everybody's on show and our problems sort of just wither away and we, we become so present in a real and meaningful way. I yeah. think now hospitality is really about being authentic and meaningful and mm. people just feel like, ah, yeah, I love this place. I love these yeah. people. I want to come back. Well, we turn the spotlight off of ourselves and we put it onto someone else. And so you've For already sure. touched on the answer to my next question, which is, you know, in your words, what does it mean to provide exceptional hospitality? Truly, I think it really has to be authentic. You know, we can always, I always tell people in training, I can sit here and teach you every scenario, 15 ways till Sunday. On day one, you'll go to the front desk and something will come up that I haven't taught you about that you're going to have to say, hey, based on my training, based on what I know, based on my passion, I'm going to have to come up to a creative solution. It's something you talk about primary, right? What what are the creative solutions to make this person happy that's not in the handbook that I have to think off the fly? And that's where really phenomenal experiences come out from. I, I think people, oh, yeah, I come to this hotel. I love this hotel. I come to your working space. It's nice. When something goes wrong, that is your golden opportunity to really shine. For people to be like, wow, I had a major issue. These people took it. They resolved it. Um, they tried to resolve it. They did their best. People walk away feeling, wow, they heard me and they wanted to, you know, attend to my problem as best as they can. And that's what makes a difference. Yeah, it's truly about creating that feeling for people and surprising and delighting them in a way that they didn't expect. And that's Definitely. one of the things that we've talked about in, in co-working also that people expect print paper in the, in the copy machine and coffee in the coffee machine and Absolutely. someone to be at the front desk saying good morning, but they don't expect in sort of how we can insert hospitality into the co-working industry is that, you know, people don't expect hospitality when they come to the office and yes. they don't expect you to say, oh, Tim, how's that project going? And by the yes. way, someone else just joined the community. I'd love to make that connection for you and really create meaningful opportunity and therefore meaningful, exceptional work place experience of course because yeah. today's world is truly experiential people want to have an experience they want to walk in they want an, they want an atmosphere that truly speaks to them that makes them feel comfortable or hip or cool or you know and i know you're a big religious community and i've really come to just appreciate and know community in such a different way you know while working at primary especially mm -hmm. this pandemic we really are nothing without community in times such as these we need someone to rely on we need a shoulder to lean on. We need somebody to say, hey, how is it and truly mean it? Um, and build those relationships. I think that's the power of community now more than ever. I think yes. everybody will take away in COVID, you know, to be empathetic, to be kind, um, to understand, you know, I think that's truly where the beauty in this all lies. A hundred percent. So how did you end up making this shift to the co-working industry from the Harvard Club? So I did hotels. I was coming up maybe on nine years on hotels and the Harvard Club was great. And the thing about the Harvard Club, um, you know, for luxury hotels, um, there is a great emphasis on consistency. So they want people to do everything according to the book because yes. whenever that guest, that member wants to come back every time and have the same wonderful experience. So mm -hmm. they like your energy, they like your vibe, but they also want it to fit into what this has to be to meet their needs. And that's all well and good, and they do it very well. The Harvard Club has been in business for 150 years. <laughs> wow. Jeez. 150 yes. years, right? Yeah. And I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I'm still relatively young. I'm in New York City. I hear all this talk about startups. Um, I still like hospitality. And how do I blend that? And that's why I came across, you know, primary because I thought, wow, this is a startup. Um, I believe in the vision. You know, I met and I like the, the CEO and the co-founders. 
I thought there's so much potential in this. I know something we talked about is bringing hospitality to everyday life. In hotels, we think that hospitality is based on a warm and comfortable bed, absolutely clean environments, absolutely delicious food, yes. But to say that when I come to work, I expect to have hospitality. I expect to be really cared to. And what I say matters and people are working to make sure that I'm productive and successful in what I do. And we have, you know, over 150 companies and we all invested in their success and what they do. That's yeah. bringing hospitality to everyday life. And I thought, this is the next wave. Yeah. This is how we differentiate ourselves. And that's why I made the shift. I said, Harbor Club, I love you. You've been fantastic. But I'm going to take a leap of faith. And, yeah. um, it's, been, it's been great so far. And here we go. Yeah. Um, so can you give us some examples of hospitality infusion in the co-working industry that you've experienced over the last two years? Absolutely. I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. It has to be experiential. Um, people come in and when we give tours, people say, wow, there's just something different about primary. And yes, you know, the aesthetic is wonderful. Uh, we have a lot of greenery infused, but it really is who we are and how we show up in those tours. Um, yes, we want people to take amazing office space with us, but we also want to know, and as part of your sales training to myself and to us on the team, we want to get to know, so tell me a bit about you. You know, Lisa, you like to sit, whereas, you know, it'd be, listen, we have X amount of tours this day. We want to get through these tours and close these deals. You want to sit and know about them, about what this means to them taking a big office space. Because remember, it's a, it's a new business, right? And they're taking a big step. And I think for me, that success is really understanding, wow, there are people behind these dollars and I want to connect with them in a meaningful way. And I want to help them be successful. There's a book that I have read, Give or Take, and it all talks about giving, right? Mm -hmm. And hospitality in this industry, it really is about leaving people with something. Because people walk away and say, wow, I felt I taught five places today, primary stood out to me. Um, you guys are doing something really special there. Even though they may not take office space with us for one reason or the next, um, mm -hmm. they say, you guys are just doing something right. And we've often got so many recommendations and referrals from people who have taught at us and maybe haven't, you know, taken office space. So it's really yeah. about how you leave people feeling. And it's like glitter. I say, you can never work with glitter and have it all gone off for you. You know, you could take oh. 10 showers after. Oh, I love that. And that yeah. glitter just stays. Some will be like, oh, there's glitter on your eyelid or there's glitter, you know. I think, I, and that's how hospitality should be. It should be that when you leave that establishment, when you leave that business, you still think, wow, you know, those people at primary, just so great being there, just so great talking to them. I love that, Lisa. I love that, Tim. Something they said there, you have to leave something with people, especially now. People want to feel special and valued. They want to feel like they're just not another number, right? 100%. Um, and I think that's the key for us, Patty. It's experiential. It's really intrinsic. Just leaving people with that, wow, that je ne sais quoi, yeah. as the French say. Yeah, the je ne sais quoi. They don't, they don't uh, expect that. When you, when you go somewhere, you're kind of expecting, and especially in New York where we have this sort of, I think, reputation for being, okay, you know, short, frank, to the, to the point. For sure. You know, it's, 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 they don't expect, well, well, wait, tell me more about you. We want to know more about you. How can we be of service to you? Um, it's, it's unexpected. It's bringing hospitality to everyday life. Everyday life, for sure. Um, so what, what would you say over the last decade has been your greatest learning as a hospitality professional? That everyone is different. You know, and how I mean that, you know, we prepare staff, right, for what could go wrong. So somebody checks in and there's bed bugs, we have a response that they should use. Um, somebody goes in and they walk in on somebody else in their room, there is a response we should use. There are sort of steps that we follow. We call it a standard operating procedure. Um, somebody walks through and it's a standard operating procedure. And what I've learned is that people respond so differently to what that standard response is. So you have to cater to every single person. And it takes work. Because while you speak, you are evaluating what are they really upset about? Are they frustrated because they had a long day? Um, 
this may be a minuscule problem, but maybe there's something going on. I have to address the bigger fact and make them feel like they're being heard and mm -hmm. um, that what their feedback is valuable as contributing to a greater success. So I think I've learned that it really is subjective in a certain standpoint. Yes, we have a standard, you know, co-working space and we have standard amenities, but everyone coming into that space or to that hotel, they need something different. And we have to train our staff and train ourselves to be present to that and not just go into like autopilot, right? Good morning, have a great day. Hey, Lisa, is everything okay? You look a little bit down today. What can I do for you? Hey, how are you yeah. doing? How's your dog? I know you, you said your mom. That's what makes the difference. And what I've learned is that it really just, it varies from person to person to person. And you could think to yourself, well, if you have a 500 room hotel, that's 500 different people and every single night, you know? But if you have a true passion for it and if you are aware of it, then your mind just clicks in, you know? Hey, listen, I'm doing this not for myself, not for a paycheck because I want to contribute and make somebody else's day great. I want to give somebody a wonderful experience in New York. And if I can do that, then, hey, that, that's the joy. That's the win. Um, totally. And I think that makes the difference. Totally. Um, what are your thoughts now on this work from home culture? You know, we're hearing about a lot of uh, enterprise level corporations declaring their employees are going to work from home. Um, obviously, this is going to have an impact on our industry, potentially in the short term. Um, you know, again, I absolutely believe that in the long run, our, our industry is going to majorly thrive because all businesses are going to want the flexibility co-working spaces afford. But I've been concerned a bit about the mental health, I think, of, of employees working from home. What do you think about the work from home culture and impact on absolutely. employees and businesses? I think, you know, initially it could have been great for a lot of people. You know, the, the, that, that dream, right? Oh, I can work from home. I think, mm -hmm. and that's fantastic. People are able to manage it, but we have to think about different situations. Is the home conducive to a work environment? Do you have a proper desk? And is it ergonomically, you know, good for you? Do you have kids? Do you have, you know, people you're taking care of? Do you have a quiet environment to make, you know, um, a perfect Zoom phone? I think it works for the interim, but I think long-term uh, people like to go to work and they like to have somewhere to go to be at work to say, hey, I'm going to work today. Um, not that there's anything wrong with working from home, but I think now this is an unprecedented time, as we've heard a million times, that have given us a shift that, hey, this is something we're all doing new, and we've seen people do it in such interesting ways. But I think people are going to say, hey, you know what, I want to get back out there. I want to live and enjoy the world as it was supposed to be. And that could be going to work again, you know, hopping on a train, hopping on a bus when at times gets right and where people feel comfortable. But I think people, as much as we languish sometimes, let's be honest, you know, it could be, we've had several of those manic Mondays and we languish. Um, when we're not working, it's not a great feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's one of you our uh, listeners here, Sel Watts, you know, who has is a member with us and with her What's Next um, PX business, she says training engagement performance will, will decrease if people are not of working course. in the same space. So yeah, there's something about being in the vibration of other people. Absolutely. But reading body language, right? And being in communication Definitely. with one another that you know, is, it's, is It's like essential. iron sharpens irons, you know, and I, I become better because I'm working with people who want to be better. I'm learning from them in real time um, and it's shaping my thinking sort of critically and creatively in the moment. I think that that is invaluable, you know, and you get that, you know, in community and working with other people. So, yeah, I think for right now, work from home is okay for the interim. But I think people, you know, polls that you read, people excited to go back and to really get back into that groove of, and that separation, work and home. Yes. That, that balance and boundary is necessary. Totally agree. What's the best thing that happened to you this year? Uh, the best thing that happened to me this year, my son, he was a micro preemie. He is scheduled to come home um, after a long ordeal in the hospital. So that's always very exciting. I think um, that's just joy. And I think the best thing to happen to me this year is also life. You know, we've all gone through just tremendous challenges, tremendous trials. Um, 
apart from this pandemic, apart from the racial injustices, personally, right? It could be past oh trauma, it could be hurts, it could be pains. <laughs> We've yeah. all had to deal with so much. Oh. And I think being alive to experience that, that's the joy, you know? Oh yes. No, what happened here? Are you? Do we know what's happening? I'm not oh sure. No. I'm seeing, are you seeing me? Uh-oh, I'm not seeing you. Oh no, what happened? Welcome oh, there we to go. live, perfect. Welcome to technology. <laughs> Welcome oh, to technology. and here we are. Here we are. So I think, you know, I think just being alive, you know, to experience this. And yes, it's stressful. Yes, it could be overwhelming. But at the end of the day, I thank God that I have life and I can experience it and it could help, you know, increase my resilience, increase my perseverance. Because listen, we're all tough when you come out of this thing. Yeah. Whether you were employed, unemployed, the fact we made it through and we have life and we weren't sick or we were sick and we, and we were able to recover fully, that should be like a thank you, God, hallelujah. I have life today and I'm able to share it with those I love. I think that is for me really special. Well, and you know that that is, I mean, this is for anybody, you know, watching your friends, your loved ones, anyone who doesn't know Tim. I mean, he starts every day with gratitude. He and I are very similar that way that we are silver lining searchers. And regardless of how crazy, intense, emotional, all negative something occurs, you know, it's uh, all right, go walk through the door and now you're on stage and okay, yeah. it's another day and what can I bring and how can I be of service to, to be a contribution to making this situation positive, right? Of course. I mean, I, I think and I learned that from say. you, Lisa. I think, you know, personally, in our individual lives, we see that. But, you know, for an entrepreneur and for many people who want to start businesses, we often don't take that into consideration, right? You know, you take on the community that you're supporting, you take on investors, you take on the employees that you're working for. And it's a lot to take in um, when things may not go as you plan. And I just see you be in that moment, that frustration, that anger, um, you know, feeling what, what can I go next and saying, well, this is what we have to do. And What's the what's the next foot I'm putting? Which foot is going first, yeah. left or the right? Because we know we're right. not standing in the same place, and we just figure yeah. out I'm going to make the left foot, or I'm going to make the right foot, and we just have to keep going. And that is true resilience that I've always admired. So yeah. Thank you. I mean, how is it happening for me and not to me? You know, I mean, yes. and, and trusting that you may not know right now, you may not know in a week or a month, but you know, in the big picture, just because we can't see it in the moment, it doesn't mean there isn't one. You know, so Absolutely. keeping the faith that everything's yes. unfolding perfectly is, is critical, I think. If you could go back in time to a year ago today, what would you do differently? Or is there something you tell yourself differently? Um, to do I would differently? say to do differently, I'd probably say patient and then it gets better. You mm -hmm. know, through this all, we're all eager to, to get back out there, you know, to going back to what the normal used to be. And we have to be patient with this thing. We have to be, you know, really mindful continuously our step forward to navigate this new course. We can't go back to the same quite as yet, unfortunately, you know. We are really, you know, you're going back to the new. You know, it, it has to be something new and life is ever evolving. And I have to, that really struck with me because I thought I want to go back to this and, you know, go back to when I could take a plane and my wife and I would travel the world. And it's a new, it's a new phase in our life, right? You know, we have a small child, so it's going to be a new normal that we have to face. And being present to what that new could be, I think mm -hmm. patience for that is is really critical for me. One hundred percent. Okay, you ready for the lightning round? This is the first Absolutely. time I've had uh, here. This, a special we're, we're, live, we're, live, ah. we're live. We're live on Instagram right now, and there's Hawk who just came in sweaty from outside. Oh, so Tim, you ready for the lightning round? I am. Yes. Here as we go. As I can okay. Be. Number one, rename the coronavirus. Oh God, pain in my. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever gotten? It would have to be from the general manager of the Harvard Club. He told me when I told him I was leaving, they made a counter offer, and I told you thank you for that offer, but I think um, I'm going to take this new opportunity. He said, listen, everything you want is out there. You just have to go out and get it. 
he's like exactly what you want. He's like, it may take some time. You may have to, you know, do a couple of things and go, you know, take the, you know, the unfamiliar path, but it's right there. And that has stuck with me. Um, and it, it's just true. It's right up there. We can't go up on our dreams. Love that one. Um, what's the most outrageous that man that someone has made when you worked in hotels or at the Harvard Club? <sighs> wow, outrageous <laughs> demand. So many, you know, I'd have to say one time. So many. <laughs> one time we delivered, you know, um, complimentary champagne to a room. And this lady called and complained because she said the ice bucket was sweating. So that means that we left the champagne in the ice bucket too long. It started to condense and drip everywhere. And in my mind, I thought, well, lady, how would I know what time you're going to arrive? You didn't tell us, you know. So we put check-ins at three, champagne's in your room at three. And then she complained three times after because she wanted us to get the champagne at the right temperature. Wow. Wow. This is a major and you do it with, you problem. Do it with, you, you do it with Ooh. a smile. Oh, certainly. Absolutely. We have, like, words we use in hostility. Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, that, my, pleasure. Be my, <laughs> because, be my pleasure. Because when, yeah, when customers, when guests are really just, you say, definitely. Is there anything my else? Pleasure. <laughs> but my people pleasure. for you. Ooh, people, 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 people. That's what my old general manager 16 years ago said to me, you know. I still say it to this day. Okay, where or to who are you turning for inspiration right now, not related to you? Not related to where or who I'm turning to inspiration. That's a really good question. Mm. I would have to say leadership. I'd have to say Governor Cuomo. I think from the get-go, always handle the situation. And granted, he's not perfect. There may have been a few missteps. The fact that he's chosen to show up every single day yeah. since the thing has gone on and address and call things out um, and just set people straight and just be, I think people have taken a great sense of ease. I'll speak for New Yorkers that I've seen, you know, taking yeah. a great sense of ease and just appreci appreciated such leadership um, that he has sort of never really been through himself. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to show up. I'm going to try to be as honest as possible. I'm going to tell people as it is. I'm going to encourage people to do every what's day. right. Every day. And it's consistent, right? He's there every single day. Tan, no yeah. tan. Talk about a rock. Polo. He is just coming on. I think they're really, really critical lessons that, you know, we could learn there and that are just inspirational to me personally as an aspiring, you know, great leader and manager. Mm, what a rock. Yeah. Are you an early bird or a night owl? I know. This I am definitely a night owl. <laughs> Me Early too. mornings to me, um, it's always <laughs> just, yeah. Oof. I look at Oof. my little son now and he's the same. He is not a morning person. I said, a little kid, I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite word? Oh, my favorite word. <laughs> my wife would say it's wow. Anytime I don't do something, she says, oh, did you not do this? I go, wow. She goes, yeah, that's your response to everything. Wow, like it's a shock. So I'd have to say, jokingly to her. She'd be like, wow. oh, did you do this? I'm like, wow. The fact that she's like, yeah, wow, that's your favorite word. So I'd have to go with wow. Anything I'm like, oh, did, I, did I do that? Did I forget? I'm like, wow, did I? Here's a bonus question. Have you ever flown on Wow Airlines? I have never flown on Wow Airlines, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's queued up in your Spotify uh, playlist right now? I mean, Drake is a given. I, you know, I, I like Drake. could never go wrong with Drake. Um, I've been turning during this time to a lot of gospel music, inspirational gospel music, you know. I'm a Christian, I just believe in God. So that during this time, I think that helps center me as well. So it's everything. It's gospel, it's hip hop, um, it's R&B, it's pop. Very eclectic in my musical taste. Yeah, it just, it's, just you know, music. A, just music, a song for every mood, a song for every mm -hmm. mood. That music changes everything. Um, what's your favorite restaurant in New York City? 
I know you uh, like some food. You I, I do. Listen, Ooh, I am a like eater. I do, I do love food. You and I, and I like You sweets. and I both uh, like our sweets. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, uh, for Valentine's this year, I took my wife to a restaurant called Philip Marie in the West Village. This small little restaurant, I mean, just so delicious. Thing Valentine's Day, would be like packed. The menu was amazing. The service was fantastic, so intimate. And I just found it like, you know, Googling and looking at reviews. Um, and I thought, wow, this is really, really fantastic in New York. Philip Marie? Philip Marie in the West Village. All right, good to know. Okay, hottest topic during the time of Corona. You know it's toilet paper, Tim. You pull over or under in your house? Uh, I come from a hotel, so it's always over for us. Over the little triangle. You fold it in that Yeah, I was going to say, do you yeah. do your little triangle? I, yeah. that, it's always over for us in the hotel industry, yeah. <laughs> do you or Shamika put the tri triangle in your house? When we have guests coming her? over, no, when we have guests coming over, we like to be a little bit yeah. fancy. You know, my wife is, she loves to be the hostess with the mostest. So she's yeah. all about cleaning and things looking perfect and it's driving me crazy. But, you know, the result is people coming in and saying, wow, you guys. And you're like, yeah, yeah I, I, love I know. It. We just look at each other because you're like, one time my aunt came back and her aunt said, wow, this place is so clean. I said, yeah, because you've only been cleaning it for the last five hours. So, yeah. That, you know, <laughs> it better that's be. That's why. It better be. But, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, last question. 2020 or 2021? 2020 being the present now, it, it has taught me personally a lot of lessons in spite of the hardship, in spite of the difficulties. And I think it's ultimately shaping myself, my family, the world for 2021. You know, it's going to be, it's really going to be a point for change. You know, we can't go back to the way things were. We have to think about everything differently. Um, it provokes creative thinking. It pro promotes self-awareness. It promotes gratitude. It promotes a great appreciation for people, not just things, not just likes on Instagram, not just, you know, cool photo shots about people because at the end of the day we, we all have realized that those things just don't matter yeah yeah it's a fact that i can pick up and call my boss and say hey and we can talk about just you know a bad deal feeling overwhelmed you know it's the fact that i could come home and hug my wife and kiss my wife and you know hug my little son uh, i think those are things 2020 yeah it's challenging it's tough trust me i believe it but there's a purpose and a plan for each and every one of our lives and we have to believe that i trust in god you may trust in whatever me but there's a purpose and a plan it's the fact that we're on here together. It's the fact that we work together. It's the fact that everyone's tuning in. And you just believe in that. You know, we can give up hope now. I love it. I love it. Thanks, Belkis, for calling me best host. I think this is best <laughs> guest, maybe. This has been the, so fun. This is maybe my 45th interview in the last two months. Yeah, yeah you've been, been phenomenal. Blast, truly. You are a blast, truly. Oh, Thank you oh, so oh, much oh. for this time. And for Thank your you so much for the opportunity. And, information. and don't forget, everyone, Tim's words of wisdom. Everything you want is out there. You just have to go get it. Absolutely. It may it. be a long road. It may not happen exactly when you want it to, but it will. Trust me. It's there. Just go after it. Go thank after you so it. much, everyone who tuned in. Tim, thank you so much, guys. Lisa, have thank a wonderful you. weekend. Have a wonderful weekend, guys.